Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 2023 Very bullish, very aggressive antics. We love to see it, but it wasn't to be for Rachel's girls, and we'll get onto that in a second. I'm so sorry, Rachel. Wipes with a small tear. Ireland ran the Matildas so so close. We discuss what's next for both sides, particularly as Australia face another game without Sam Kerr. So let's get into it. But firstly, all of our thoughts and prayers are with the people of Auckland after the shooting earlier in the day that left three people dead and six injured. It was not connected to the World Cup, of course, but it certainly had a knock-on effect with a minute's silence before kick-off in both games and squads being told to stay indoors uh, who were staying nearby uh, and the opening of FIFA's fan festival in Auckland was persuaded as well. So thoughts are, are with everyone uh, affected by the by the tragedy today. Um, Rach, let's get stuck in, okay? Australia Island, uh, we were both watching the game. You were obviously at the game. I mean, before we get stuck into the nitty gritty bits, what was the atmosphere like? Because I'm hearing that even though there was a much smaller Irish contingent, you guys were bringing the absolute vibes uh, to the stadium. So what was it like being a part of it? Like, I know Australia won, but for me, the Irish fans won today. They were absolutely unbelievable. And Even earlier in the day, I went into city center uh, and I got out of my cab and all I could hear from a couple of streets down was low lie the fields of Athenry. And I was like, oh my God, get me there. Um, so they What turned does that mean down- for, for <laughs> listeners who, who don't speak Irish? Who don't speak Irish. It's a song <laughs> called The Fields of Athenry. You might know it from uh, Liverpool who have um, taken it and made it low lie the fields of Anfield Road. Isn't that right? Um, so you might recognize the tune. Um, but yeah, I could hear that as soon as I got out the Uber and I was like, get me there. This is amazing. So I bumped into loads of Irish fans. Um, I think over 4,000 made the trip out from Ireland, which is incredible when you think about the fact we only have 5 million uh, in our population. And of course, there's bloody loads here. So the atmosphere was incredible. And I was sat at the Irish end, luckily, um, and they were at the kind of back of the bowl. So it feels like they were 
I feel like if they'd been on a side, maybe they wouldn't have gotten quite the echo. And the fact they were at the back of the bowl, they just echoed round. And there's a lovely picture of Courtney Brosnan in the tunnel uh, before the game um, kicked off, smiling because they the players could hear the fans um, outside. I'll be honest, I shed a tear during the anthem. Um, did you? It was, did you get emotional? It was pretty special. I did. Like seeing them there, seeing our flag unfurled um, on the pitch, this massive flag. Like I, I turned around and kind of stopped, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I can't believe this team is actually here. Um, it was pretty special, and I think the players were pretty, um, not necessarily emotional, but bloody hell were they proud. Um, so yeah, the atmosphere is incredible. Walking back around then from the team shots around to my position and the fields of Athenry was ringing out again and come on you girls in green and all of that. Like it was, yeah, the noise was amazing. Well, you obviously weren't the only one who shed a tear during the national anthem. I mean, the camera panned across to Sam Kerr, who we were told just an hour before kickoff that she wasn't going to be in the game. And then she posted also that she was going to be missing uh, the second game as well next week, which has come a little bit out of the blue. And I can understand why she left it so late, obviously not wanting to give maybe Ireland the advantage and to them to, you know, be able to rejig things to set up differently and, you know, sort of put any more pressure on, on things. But I mean, Rach, I've got to say... You know, I was a little bit sceptical about how the Irish girls were going to do coming against the, you know, the host nation. I thought it was going to be a Sam Kerr situation. She's obviously been on fire in form. I was thinking this is going to be a one-way street. And it wasn't. And you heard it here first. I was wrong. I mean, the battle between McCabe and Hayley Rasso. I mean, it was feisty. It was spicy. It was everything you wanted in that section. And I just, um, I mean, there were so many points that I thought, you know, McCabe, you need to be careful here because you're you're going down a red card alley here. Um, but yeah, what did you make of it? How did you, how was it in the atmosphere and the crowd and stuff sort of, you know, reacting to, to them both being these uh, big contenders? Yeah, I did message during, in the, one of the groups during the match, being like, I don't like this matchup. Um Obviously, Hayley Ross had been told to get under uh, Katie McCabe's skin and she was doing just that. I find it really frustrating for Katie, for Katie McCabe when I'm like, you're the captain. We all know you love, you know, you get feisty and you get riled up, but she gets riled up far too bloody easily sometimes for my liking. Um, you know, and I think she was very lucky not to have gotten a yellow card. But equally, Rasso, I thought, was given as good as she got. Um, Katie seems to get most of the stick for it because obviously she's known for being a physical player. But Rasso was just as given just as much as Katie was. Um, so I think, yeah, it was, it was definitely a battle for the ages. I think that was the one thing most people took away, particularly from the first half. Um, and neither player got booked. The only player to get booked was Denise O'Sullivan. And I think it was for dissent, which was a bit mad because I thought there would be a couple of bookings in the game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite the battle, wasn't it? What the Irish did was so well was to kind of limit the chances that, that Mary Fowler was having. I think, you know, in terms of they seem to be sort of letting the ball go out wide and also the emergency defending, the blocking that was going on the back was absolutely resolute. I think that was one of the things that I was really, really impressed with. Um, you know, at the towards the end of the, the first half, I think there was probably a, a few tired legs. Uh, I think Caitlin Fort started to come a little bit into the game on the left-hand side, sort of reaching, reaching the line and trying to get in some cutbacks. But... To be honest, I mean, going into to half time at nil nil was an absolute touch for them. Um, but what we did notice, I think, sort of coming out into the second half, the camera panned to um, the Irish bench and then panned to um, to Australia's bench, and the stark difference between Vera's response going into the second half and Tony's response going into the second half were completely different. Tony sat in his seat, very pensive, a little bit disappointed, trying to worry about how they were going to try and fix this this defensive situation that the Irish were setting up, and Vera beaming. I mean, given the controversy surrounding her over the last couple of weeks, I've never seen a bigger smile on her in, in quite some time. And she was happy with herself. And um, yeah, I mean, what did you make of the second half sort of going into things? And do you think she was right to be happy? Or do you think we should have ex expected more from, from Ireland? Maybe even 
getting a goal. There's a couple of chances. Yeah, so I feel like Ireland actually nailed their game plan. I think the game plan was to go out there and frustrate Australia, prevent them from scoring in the first half, eke it out as long as possible, and then in the last kind of 15 minutes, go for it. And they did that. But I think it's so frustrating that the game is decided on a penalty and a, and a you know, a silly penalty to give away. Um, but equally, Shiva shouldn't be feeling bad about it. Like, their individual mistakes, they happened. Poor girl was in floods of tears at the end of the game. Um, but the game plan was right. And I just think they should have gone for it earlier from the goal. Instead, they kind of, I feel like they still said, right, no, we said we're not going to go for it until 75 minutes. Um, and I think they probably should have gone for it a little bit earlier because 2-0 and 1-0, what difference does it make? You're still, you're still down three points. Um, so I thought the game plan was great. I would have liked to have seen Amber Barrett come on and there was a lot of confusion because she was up warming up and we all thought she was coming on and she didn't come on. And I just think the game needed that kind of player who's going to go through someone for a ball um, you know, I thought players did well. Lucy Quinn came on. She runs for Ireland. She's great. Like she's she's quite good on the ball. But I just find sometimes she's a bit hesitant to go forward, and she'll turn around and go back through the direction and pass the ball out. And we didn't need that. We needed the ball in the box because throwing that ball in the box, they were getting stressed and they were putting pressure on the Australian defence, and we're really unlucky not to not to get a goal. Katie McCabe had a chance. Lucy Quinn had a chance. Megan Connolly had a chance. Um, so to be coming away disappointed, we didn't get a draw says a lot about the game. I think they limited Australia to two chances on, on target. Um, and that says everything. I think Australia kind of reminded me a bit of England in their first Euros opener. They were nervous. Um, I think they still played like Sam Kerr was up there in the middle. They didn't mm-hmm. use, for me, they didn't use their wings enough. And I understand Caitlin Ford had to come more central, but I thought Courtney Vine was brilliant in the first half. She had the legs of Heather Payne. She was running a ragged. <clears throat> so I feel like they could have used their wings more. They... They seem to have a habit of bringing the ball maybe like just over halfway and launching it forward. And we've got fairly tall defenders back there in Ireland. So it was like they weren't prepared to play without Sam Kerr, you know, even though they'd held the information back. Um, I think, yeah, they could have maybe used their wingers a little bit better. Um, but I thought Ireland then did well in the second half to cut out Courtney Vine a little bit. So all in all, like really proud of that performance for Ireland to have taken it to them the way they did. Um, I hope they can play like that against Canada Vera Powers talked about like cutting out individual mistakes and it's really hard to have everybody on the pitch not make a single mistake during a game and I think that's what it kind of came down to yeah for sure I mean I don't think they can kind of walk away from that game being disappointed in any way I mean essentially it should have been a draw as it was not for that penalty um and I think in a way sort of looking at the penalty it was it was a sort of silly shove and I think um to be fair, it does happen in the heat at the moment. It was quite a sort of passionate game anyway. I, you know, I, I think it had all the kind of spicy features that we were expecting. But what I was quite impressed with was, you know, Australia obviously going into this game a little bit on the back foot. You've just lost your captain. She said that she's going to be out for the next two games. Steph Catley has stepped up. And that penalty that she took, I mean, oh, that's a lot of pressure in the opening game of your host World Cup to take over the captaincy and to, you know, go against an island that are resolutely defending for their lives. And the coolness and the calmness that she slotted that thing in the top uh, left-hand corner was just absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, I think I think the whole Sam Kerr thing definitely unsettled them. But it's going to be interesting to see sort of what happens after the two games, uh, the second game happening next Thursday, whether Sam Kerr is, is fit enough to start. But it did really come out of the blue. Um, yeah. But yeah, do you think that's going to impact their chances now going forwards? I think the way it's fallen for them, I think they have Nigeria next, don't they? Of all the games, the way the game's lined up, they're the games you'd want. If she's going to miss games, they're the games you'd want her to miss. Um, but yeah, like that's that's a big blow. I mean, they would have known yesterday, but it's still a big blow for a team to have to overcome. You know, she's your talisman in that team. She's the one that gets you the goals. And and oftentimes Australia struggle with goals. 
only for Sam Kerr. I know others score too, but she tends to be the one that gets the floodgates open. Um, so that would have been a big blow. They dealt with it really well. I thought Steph Catley's penalty was amazing. And I thought Gory in midfield is a wonderful midfielder. Um, her low centre of gravity, the way she turns players and carries the ball. Um, I was sitting there going, oh God, I really like her, but I don't want to like her. Not right now, not while they're playing Ireland, but bloody hell, she's great. Um, I'll like her now in the next games as I watch them <laughs> cheering it. I was like, damn you. <laughs> I think um, what does pose a little bit of a threat now is that if Australia, obviously having a bit of a flat start against Ireland, Nigeria are probably going to be slightly tougher competition than, than Ireland were. Nigeria now have almost a week's head start that Sam Kerr is not going to be there and can now adapt their game plan to that. They put in a, Them putting in a block could essentially mean that Australia might lose those points and end up as runners-up. If they end up as runners-up and England come top of their group, we'll then face them in the round of 16 so that is the kind of scary proposition that we're now looking at um, without Sam Kerr. So Sam Kerr actually being part of the squad was actually quite helpful <laughs> for the Lionesses. Both England and Ireland. Listen, I don't want Nigeria <laughs> yeah. picking a point. Are you kidding me? Damn it, Sam. Sam Kerr, can you come back? I mean, I don't think we'll ever sort of say, there'll ever be a situation that we'll say that really. Uh, obviously me being a Man United fan as well. So, um, but obviously we're all wishing Sam uh, the yeah. absolute best and hope that her recovery is very quick and that it's just a very minor niggle that she gets over because obviously we want to see as many stars as possible on the 100%. World Cup stage. We've already had too many... Too many stars drop out uh, and we don't want another one. So all the best, send in all the love and lighting all the candles. I don't know if that works for Australians, but... Yeah, Rach, I, don't, I don't know about we'll that. Try. I'm not sure. We've got a lot of candles to be lighting for Ireland. I don't think we can use them up on Australia, but we can send her warm wishes, do you know. Maybe say a prayer. All right, fine. All right, cool. Well, I can't see Kate McCabe lighting her a candle, but I mean, <laughs> Kate McCabe, just, just not, not assaulting anyone, actually. It's just a, it's a massive win for her. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrædder alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakre. Before we go any further, a quick reminder that Upfront is live everywhere you look on socials. Follow us for more reaction, predictions and clips. So that's at Upfront underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram and at Upfront pod on TikTok. Um, right, the second game and the first game of the World Cup tournament. I was actually down in Brisbane watching this with my colleague, Jacob Whitehead, who's a lovely, lovely writer from The Athletic, who I'm kind of like managing at the moment. And he's like little brother vibes, but also like the best, the best guy ever. Um, we went down to the Brisbane fan zone, which is on like this beautiful South Bank. And we walked down there, there's a beautiful bridge, like the sun's setting, had a couple of beers, just kind of watched the game. And there was a lovely atmosphere. Like everyone was rooting through New Zealand. Um, and it just sort of, um, it, it felt like a really like lovely start to the day. I think obviously after the events of, of this morning, um, there were a lot of concerns about security and how things were going to sort of impact, um, you know, the, some of the, the preparations and how fans were going to feel and what, whether they were going to come out still uh, in full force to support the teams at fan zones and also the games. But 
it has it has been a really lovely uh, a really lovely day um despite what's um or the events that took place this morning so that that was nice sort of loads of families and uh, friends going down grabbing a beer um but again i mean I don't even know where to start, to be honest, because Norway have a glittering, A-list, star-studded, celebrity, elite squad. I mean, Wrighton, you've got Graham Hansen, you've got Marnham, you've got Blackstick, you've got all the makings of a... It's almost like a kind of like... You're, if you could do like a fantasy football type thing, you'd be picking out these names. And yet when we saw Norway start, I think New Zealand had a fantastic start to the game very much on the front foot, very much a kind of we've got nothing to lose type situation here. It felt like they knew they were the underdogs and they were using that mentality to go forwards. And I think they were sort of adopting this slightly higher press. And I don't think Norway really knew what to do with themselves. And Hegerberg, how could I miss Hegerberg? But like, honestly, it just felt like what was happening? I mean, Rach, you only sort of saw bits and pieces of it. Obviously, you would, you know, pitch side for, uh, for the Australia game. Um, yeah, I mean, what was your sort of hot takes on the bits that you did did see? Because... It just it just wasn't good enough from Norway. Yeah, I don't get it. Norway are a conundrum for me. Um, you know, when you look at that front six, you named some of them there. Some of those players, like we've talked about multiple times, waxed lyrical about them uh, across the season, whether it's Champions League or WSL. Um, and then you put them in the same team. Like, I appreciate, like, maybe defence isn't as as high quality as, as that f- that front two lines. But with those players on the ball, you should you should be scoring far more than your opponents, you would think. New Zealand have been on a terrible run of form. I think they've played, I could be wrong, 12 games this year. or 12, In the last 12 games, they've won one, drawn one and lost the rest. You know, like, and I, and, right, and, <laughs> and, you know, you look how nervous Australia were. Surely New Zealand were nervous opening the game. 42,000 people, which is incredible and a record as well, which is brilliant. You know, and, and it's just, I don't understand what's going on with, with Norway. I don't know whether it's management. I don't know, you know, Hegeris is there. If you can't get those players to click together, like they're fantastic players. It's a real conundrum. And I, you know, I'm not a manager, so I don't know what's going on, but you'd be lining up against those players. You'd be shitting yourself. And you should well, be. <laughs> I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. There was just absolutely no cohesion. And I think New Zealand looked a little bit surprised that they were coming up against so little opposition. Um, I mean, we only have to look at kind of the the second, uh, sorry, the first goal in the at the start of the second half. I mean, the speed of that goal, it went from the back, I think within about five or six passes, it was in the back of, of, uh, of Norway's net. Um, and I mean, the commentator, I mean, she had it absolutely spot on. She said, it looked like, it was a Norway who just wanted to play mannequin. It was New Zealand popping the ball around them like they didn't even exist. There was no firepower. There was no get up and go at all. And Wilco, I mean, she just slotted the ball home and it was, they deserved it. They absolutely deserved that goal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And um, you could see how much it meant to her and how much it meant to the squad. I mean, this is a squad that have never, ever won a World Cup game. And to do that against a side like Norway just means even more. I've got to ask you, like looking at the stats... 50-50% possession. I think 12 shots for New Zealand, 13 for Norway. Both of them had two on target. Is that what the game felt like? Did it feel even? No, not at all. I mean, it, it surprised me that the stats were 50-50 because it felt like for large parts of the game, New Zealand had complete control. And even when Norway did manage to get the ball back and they had a few, you know, few seconds of, of possession, New Zealand was straight on hot on their heels. I mean, I've got to give massive credit to uh, my former teammate, uh, Rhea Percival. I mean... 
I think I used to wind her up quite a bit, to be fair. I mean, she was always very studious, very sort of um, determined, uh, you know, no kind of messing around, very kind of like first one out on the field, very, um, yeah. Professional. Just straight, pro- professional, yes. Um, to say that I was unprofessional um, would, um, you know, that's Stark contrast, that, was it? That you can mm. make, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. were very much chalk and cheese in our professionalism when being Rhea Percival. But, you know, when you look at sort of how far she's got, it's her, what, fifth World Cup, and you can see her kind of tearing up at the national um at the national anthem being paid and you can see why she is still in the squad i mean fitness levels on point you could honestly every time the camera panned to her she was doing something she was making a movement she was communicating with her team she was intercepting passes she was being a part of the attack she i I would love to see the stats on on her from her gps first because she was doing the absolute rounds wonderful to see her back Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, the only thing we didn't see her do was obviously confer the penalty chance. Oh God, yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, it was a historic moment, uh, very historic, obviously being the first time that VAR was used and then public, the decision was then publicly announced in the arena and also for the broadcasters. So once the, the sort of foul had been committed, it was then a case of like going to the screen, the ref pointed to the screen, and then obviously it was like, oh, okay, we understand now. It's yeah. just, it's so much clearer. Amazing um, what communication does. Yeah, and so many people were so, were sort of like singing the praises of the, the new VAR process and how amazing it was just to have that additional information Good. so that everyone's not shouting at the referee and the referee mm. is then not subject to so much abuse at the end of the game and, you know, criticism over her decision. So I thought that was great. But yeah, really gutting for Rhea. She um, hit the woodwork, hit the crossbar and bounced straight back off again. You could see that she was obviously disappointed because that was at least such they a won. big chance. Oh at my God, yeah, absolutely. But the imagine. only thing is, had she scored that goal, it would have really put the game to bed because it was yeah. very tense towards the like, last 10, 15 minutes when Norway were noticeably thinking, okay, we might actually lose this game. We had time up until now to piss about and not do our jobs, but now we might actually lose. Um but yeah, was there anything else that you sort of felt was, you know, lacking in um, in, in sort of in, in, in Norway? Do you feel like concerned for them in the tournament? Because they were kind of surefire favourites to be getting out of the group stages. Yeah. And, and now they've, they've set themselves a very big mountain to climb. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, Switzerland are going to look threatening now. Um, New Zealand potentially getting out of the group. Um, I would have thought after what happened at the Euros, that that would have lit a fire in them. And, you know, they would have learned from that, you know, lost a manager um and look maybe it's that maybe it's a new manager maybe it's taken a while to click um but you would think any manager coming in would be rubbing their hands at, this, at that squad um so yeah I'd be I'm a little bit concerned for them you know I don't know what the opposite is of a dark horse but like I'd be worried that they're a team you'd expect to do well or I don't who might struggle to get out of the group and that would be a real surprise it's a a, a, a light a light horse who are have a pale horse in a ghostly yes. horse Mm. a lethargic horse a lethargic uh, horse we do like our horse Um, we do we we, love a horse analogy we're we're back to it and no doubt they wouldn't have even uh, left the starting blocks would they they'd still be standing (laughs) there and all the others would be across all the furlongs or whatever you call them whereas New Zealand have just won the absolute grand national of all their games so um, yeah solid from them but yeah very much um, sort of looking forward to how New Zealand progress now Um, I think that will have boosted confidence a lot now they've got their first World Cup win under their belt Um, but looking ahead we've got to go forward uh, every single day is bringing fresh drama and fresh games. Uh, Nigeria play Canada tomorrow, followed by Philippines against Switzerland and Spain against Costa Rica. The USA, the Titans, the one we've all been waiting for, apart from the Lionesses, begin their quest for the three-peat against Vietnam on Saturday and Zambia face Japan at 8am UK time before England. 
take on Haiti at 10.30 a.m. I mean, Rach, aside from the obvious with the England game, which is the one that you're sort of looking forward to coming up in the next couple of days? Um, probably Nigeria, Canada is obviously important for me. I want to see how they get on against each other because um, that will obviously impact Ireland's chances. I just want to see everyone play once. You know, it gives you a bit of an idea of where everybody is. Um, and I think, you know, some teams have had kind of surprising results in these pre-tournament friendlies. Some teams have done really well when you expect them to get trashed. Um, so I'm just really keen to see everyone get off the mark and just get an idea of how this World Cup might pan out. Because as you know, every major tournament we have, it just gets harder and harder to predict. Um, so yeah, and I can't pick one fixture. I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing how everyone gets on. What about you? I think... I would have to say Spain, Costa Rica. I think um, mainly just to say, it's not gonna, I'm not expecting it to be a particularly challenging or difficult game. And I think it could just be one-way traffic. But at the same time, I'm wondering whether Mateus is going to make that big start that everyone's talking about. She's been, they've been saying that she's sort of resting her a little bit and hoping that she's going to make that start. So I think everyone's going to be absolutely buoyed by that. Uh, and also the fact that it'd just be interesting to see how Spain are doing in the midst of all the kind of, turbulence and animosity uh, that's been going on with uh, with head coach Jorge Vilda who seems to be in fairly good spirits from uh, what of course been he is he still has a bloody job <laughs> well you would I suppose if your job was safe because all of your family work for the federation so yeah he's probably laughing his way into the game and the rest of the tournament but yeah I think they're obviously a team like Norway who have so many stars that people want to watch so but we could find that this is the World Cup of underdogs. I mean, we've seen New Zealand uh, come up trumps against Norway. So it could you be Costa Rica's Zambia. time. Yeah. <laughs> and Zambia. Yeah, yeah, it could just be, you know, all these countries coming together and thinking, you know what, fuck the big dogs. We're in it. Yeah, I mean, this is our time to shine. Why the hell not? Um, but Jonas Eidevold has been making some very controversial comments. Uh, he wrote in The Garden a couple of days ago that England were no longer his World Cup favourites. I mean, Is that controversial? Um... In a way, I would say that it's, I wouldn't say, I'd say one of the favourites. I think it would be, sure. you, know, you, you can't take that, I'm not the favourite, but no longer his, you know, in the favourites zone, I think is, okay. is pretty So pretty long bold. as it's not that it's no longer his World Cup favourite, because I don't think that's the most like groundbreaking analysis. Um, they've lost quite a few players. So like, it's More not bold like. takes and up front. Well, it's like, <laughs> you know, they're up there, but for me, they're, you know, of four or five teams that could win it. So they're still for up there with four or five teams, I think, that could win it. But um, yeah, maybe that, that hasn't blown me away that much, that input, Jonas, sorry. And I love Jonas. Oh, I love Jonas as well. And to be honest, I completely understand where he's coming from. I mean, the Lionesses, we thought we were kind of done with, um, you know, sort of the injuries being the big controversial crisis. And then a few days ago, obviously, we had Millie Bright uh, releasing her statement on Instagram uh, from all the players still saying that negotiations were underway with the FA uh, in relation to the bonuses that the FA are refusing to pay. Um, the statement basically said they were going to park the issue and then come back to it after the tournament. So obviously we've all been in some press conferences now. The players have kind of been speaking about it. Lucy Bronze uh, has spoken about it. Uh, Jordan Nobbs as well and Mary Earps has made a few comments um, basically saying that, you know, the players feel very empowered by what's happened, um, you know, very much got, not going to let uh, the issue go, the cause. They definitely want to fight for it afterwards. So, um yeah, it's um, it's a bold time to be sort of raising issues, especially when you've got to focus on doing your jobs. And obviously, I think it puts you in a better negotiating position if you do perform uh, very well. It shouldn't have to be the case, but I think it does if you then go on and absolutely smash a tournament. If you win a World Cup and then the FA is still saying, well, yeah, I don't think you deserve bonuses or we just don't think it's the right time or actually our 300% increase wasn't enough. Like you've had your fair share. 
It's so funny because like a bonus by its nature, its very nature, is an additional mm. payment on top of your payment. So this thing of like, oh, well, you're getting money, so now you don't get bonuses. No, no. A bonus is a bonus. That's the whole fucking reason it's called a bonus. It's so stupid to be like, well, now that you're getting paid from FIFA, this bonus doesn't exist anymore. It's, anyway, that's my hot take. I, I 100% agree. Uh, and I think the general consensus around the media and around the sort of fans and everything from back home is that they fully back and support the Lionesses in campaigning for this and they absolutely fully deserve it. So regardless of how much FIFA are paying, yeah, great from FIFA, but also the FA, you need to step up your game because it's absolutely atrocious. But yeah, and so um, we also have to say there's some more controversial things uh, coming out, I think tomorrow uh, morning. Not me, not me, oh. but a goalkeeping icon, a legend and hero of mine uh, has also decided to speak out at this point against some other things that are happening. So watch this space because the Lionesses are not free from controversy yet. Mystery mystery mystic ball um if you want more on england and group d head over to part one of our world cup preview um rach where are we heading i mean there's so many places to be all at one time um the, what's yes. your priority well it's quarter to one in the morning uh here in <laughs> sydney and i finally up... did it up front late at night come yeah. on <laughs> uh, and i'm getting a 9 15 flight up to brisbane tomorrow morning so that's that's my next stop Oh my God, mate, we're going to be in the same city. Oh my God, tomorrow morning when I wake up, girls in the ball are going to be in the same city. We're going for beers. It's going to be wild. We may or may not see you for the rest of the tournament because it's <laughs> going to be absolutely crazy. Um, tomorrow is the uh, England presser. So I, so I assume everyone's going to be there sort of listening to what Serena's going to say. We've still not been told who's going to be in the press conference as the other player, which is interesting because it normally interesting. it would be the captain. Might have to buy yet, that schooner. Yes. And yet, we still don't know. But maybe they might just release it in the morning. The, the FA media, they, they, they do these spicy little things to keep yeah, us on their toes. So that's where we'll be. Um, thanks for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We'll be back after England's game against Haiti this weekend to bring reaction to the Lionesses' first outing. Remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball. And generally, we are at Upfront underscore pod. As if we've got our own like, Instagram. That's amazing. Uh, see you. Now very soon. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.